the Desert Isolation Discs, the show in which I cheekily chat to people who absolutely love music. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat today. Imagine you're going down to the pub with someone who always makes you chuckle and they like great music. Now imagine that person is MJ Hibbert and you get to hear that music as you chat. Great, hey? He's a giant of the British indie pop world. Uh, together with his band The Validators, he's been gigging for years. He actually created his first band on the way back from a school art trip to London. And the, his list of accolades include releasing the first ever internet single, getting loads of recognition on the likes of the BBC and Rolling Stone, and most importantly, single-handedly creating lively crowds from Portsmouth to Peterhead. He's even created his own dance, The Indie Kid. I've shuffled it many times. It's great. He's fiercely independent. He releases everything he does on his own cheeky imprint, Artists Against Success. He's got a fantastic new album out. I urge you to listen to it. It's called Still Valid. We chat about that, the recording process, gigging, football, his beloved Peterborough United, and how he turns a room of people who don't like him into a room of people who love him. It's great. I won't stop you from listening to it now. Let's have a listen. So, Mark, welcome to Desert Isolation Dish. Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, we're in a pub in the city in London, uh, quite upstairs of a pub, beautiful carpet. Yeah, proper. Uh, <laughs> the perfect place to start discussing music. Um, yeah. So, how did you compile your list for me? Well, what happened was I had several showers and a couple of baths <laughs> and thought about it and then thought about it a lot. And then uh, when I came out, I sat down with my missus mm. and I said to her, you know, I'm going to tell you my list. See if there's anything I've missed, anything you know, anything screaming in the obvious. Mm. And she said, "No, why don't I just guess what's on your list?" And then she did guess. She got five out of the eight straight away. That's not bad. And then the other three, I went, "Oh yeah, no, I should have that." Instead, she, <laughs> <laughs> she persuaded. <laughs> just reminded you of things. So, you'd so, so this will feature that band I'm always on about. Mm-hmm. Oh God, that one. Yeah, you know <laughs> all the hits, and obviously the Beatles. So you know, this, this, is, this is how it was chosen. <laughs> and uh, presumably songs that you sing along to in the shower. Then all songs I can sing along to. <laughs> so where are you starting us off? I'll start with uh, my first one is "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond. Hey, because <laughs> I grew up in the nineteen seventies. Mm. If you grew up in the nineteen seventies, if you had a mother in the nineteen seventies, this is the song that soundtracks it. I think everybody's mum. When I was growing up, everybody's mum loved Neil Diamond. Mm. And um, so, yeah, so this just, any time I hear this, I can smell the back seat of my mum's Mini. <laughs> uh, as everybody's mum had a Mini in the 1970s as well. So, yeah, I just, I, 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 I love this song. So that was pre tape that was, she was relying on that coming on the radio. Oh, no, she, I think she, I don't know. She must have had a tape, must she? Well. Or maybe she was just singing it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, she always it always seems to be like, yeah, it, well, it was this and Seasons and Sun was another one that was, was always on the radio. <laughs> but yeah, Sweet Caroline is that. It's, it's, it's a through line through my life via my mother. But you know, it was, it was my mum likes uh, Smokey Robinson, that's who my mother likes. Hey. So she's got her, yeah. uh, she had a very meagre collection of vinyl records. Yeah. Uh, but they were excellent vinyl records that my mother had. Yeah. yeah. My, my stepdad liked the Moody Blue, so he's a vinyl collection. <laughs> Don't listen to this, Chris, but his vinyl was terrible. But my mum had a lot of soul music. Because um, I come from Peterborough, and mm. you know, this, it was a hotbed of Northern Soul, weirdly, mm. in Peterborough. So yeah. Yeah. Very strangely. Very uh, great, let's have a start off in Neil Diamond. Where it began, I can't begin to know it, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer. Have believed you'd come along, and 
touching hands Reaching out Touching me Touching you So, Peterborough, 1970s. Yeah. What did we find you doing? Uh, what kind of lad were you? <laughs> um, a small, round, um, shy uh, boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the moment, my I've got a nephew. My nephew Noah mm. is um, basically me. He lives in Australia. <laughs> And every time they go, oh, God, he's just sitting in the other room reading his comics. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they, they keep trying to persuade him not to be. And I keep thinking, like, why are you trying to cure him of being me? Lovely. What a wonderful thing that would be to grow up as. Um, but, yes, that's what I was like. Yeah. A, a, a small boy sitting in his own reading a comic. Of course, now. Yeah, of course. Now, now I, 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 I'm much bigger. Uh, still a comic fan? Still a comic fan, yes. Well, I'm starting a PhD oh. in a couple of months' time on Marvel Comics. Oh, really? So, yes, in three to four to five to six, seven years, I'll hopefully, all being well, be a doctor of Marvel. <laughs> what do you hope to get out of that? An excuse to read lots of Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. It's mostly yeah. white. Well, no, that's not sure. Of course, I see. Now, the other thing I want to get what? out of it is to say Dr. Hibbert, actually. Yeah. That's basically, those are the two things. <laughs> Surely worth the best part of a decade. And uh, several thousand pounds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, what will it say at the top? Um, I hope you've got some sort of... Oh, the windy... thesis, yes. The thesis yeah. is uh, Marvel team-up, colon. Mm. Uh, the Bronze Age of Marvel Comics is a model for transmedia collaboration. Well, I mean, that that's going to take you seven years. Sounds to... pretty good, isn't it? Sounds <laughs> <It's> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's your second choice? The uh, second choice is The Magical Mystery Tour by The Beatles. Mm. Uh, not my favourite Beatles song, not anybody's favourite Beatles song. You'd have to be mad to have this as favourite Beatles song. <laughs> I bloody love The Beatles. My favorite. <laughs> I've recently started listening to yeah, yeah, The Beatles in Mono. Yeah. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, after all these years of people saying it was better, when you listen to it, you'd like go... Oh Christ! It really is, and it really, it's, it's amazingly better. It's mm. just a different. It's like um, listening to Sergeant Pepper for my whole life. I thought, well, Sergeant Pepper's all right. I don't see what people go on about it for. But then you listen to it in mono, and it's like, holy wow! <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But I chose Magical Mystery Tour because I, 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 the film Magical Mystery Tour again, not a film I'd watch often. But what I really love about that film, what I love about the Beatles, is because night, so it's nineteen sixty-seven, nineteen sixty-eight. Everybody is, all the pop stars are on drugs. They're discovering the secrets of the universe. Mm. Uh, there's people like the Doors or whatever are swatting around going, oh, we're massive rock stars, we're really important, we're like God's mm. team. And the Beatles go, well, we found the answer to the universe. A, we're going to share it with you. I'm going to do it by getting on a bus with some pensioners. <laughs> and it's like, I, I just think that's so, that's what I love about the Beatles because the Beatles, the Beatles didn't go, we know the answer to life and we might tell you. Mm. The Beatles go, everybody can join in. This is for everybody. Yeah. And I say in the Mag- Magical Mystery Tour, it's just such a, you know, like, but you're the biggest band in, in the whole world ever. You could do anything you like. And yeah. basically what you've done is you're having packed lunches for a week. <laughs> and, and Titting around with crates of beer and old people, and I just think well, that's so wonderful. That's yeah, yeah. So I just think for, for basically gods to do that, I just and it would, now it's uh, it's impossible to try and imagine. This. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Well, let's go on our own magical mystery tour then. That was a slick link. I like so, that. Oh, always so slick. <laughs> 
so much. We haven't properly introduced you. Um, one, you're a fantastic musician, and two, you've got a new album out. Oh, I've got really a new excited. album. I've got a new album. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, uh, got an album. It's called Still Valid. Uh, it's the, the the whole idea of it was for years and years and years, and all the, all the decades have been doing this. Mm. Um, me and my band have always said, "What we should do? What we should do? Do a half hour long album, mm. ten songs, half an hour. It's like a show about Ray. Yeah. Go in, yeah. do them." Jobs are easy, yeah, easy, and we've always ended up doing like a science fiction rock opera about space dinosaurs. And stuff like that. <laughs> Which, you know, that's what our last album was. Like, yeah. We took years and years, and especially after the last one, we took so long, so long, so <laughs> long to do. We said, "Look, we're just simple songs." Yeah. yeah. You know, you say like, the last album took three years. Come on, so we, that's what we did, didn't we? And it took four years <laughs> somehow to do that. <laughs> and it's like, and I kept saying to it, all the way through, I'm like, "It's not gonna be a concept album. Mm. It's not gonna be a concept album." And I finished it, and I go, "This appears to be a concept album. It's not advertising. I'm not advertising it as such. Mm. And I'm not saying it is like September of My Years by Frank Sinatra, but it's basically like September of My Years by Frank Sinatra, but from an English person's point of view. So yeah, so all the songs are about." Uh, being being a grown adult of <clears throat> years old <laughs> in the current time. No, but and and that's what makes them fantastic. I mean, did you have to? I suppose you, by the sounds of it, you composed them over the years. But did yeah. you have to think about what your place was in the music scene or your friend? It's, it's a lot about friendship in yes, there and the friendships yeah, yeah. that you make through music. Yeah. Um, well, there is know, there is you, you sort of do this sort of stuff and well, it's. it's Things happen. I think mm. things happen. You know, when you're a teenager, most of the things happen is like you're trying to get off with girls. Yeah. And so that's what people write songs about. Yeah. And, and then I think you get older and you go, then a lot of miracles have been things I've talked to in pubs to people. Yeah. And now I don't go to the pub as much anymore. Cause, you know, I've, I've got a nice flat and a nice missus and you sort of think, well, I'll just stay here. Yeah. So now it's like, well, it's things I think about in the shower or talk about to her. Yeah. Or talk to the few friends I have left <laughs> on the email and stuff. So yeah, so it, it is every now and again. Some of the songs have been me going. Oh, hang on a minute. Rather than just like think, thinking about that in the shower to myself. Yeah. I could write a song about that. Yeah. And then a lot of the songs have been. I've been doing sort of rock operas. Yeah. My friend Steve for the past eight years. So some of them are songs are written for that, and then mm. there's one that we, then others are written for. One was written for a football compilation. One was written for a, a theme tune to a podcast and this sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, they've they've sort of gently come about over the years that way. How does one approach writing a rock opera? Carefully. Very, very carefully, young man. I think it's one who knows. Um, I don't know. I don't I really. I really don't know. Uh, I think what basically they just sort of happen. I, one of the things I've been doing for the past few years, I've, I did their main screenwriting. Mm. So the last but one rock opera I wrote was all written with the three act structure mm. and subtext. And uh, you know character arcs and all this sort of thing. By the time we did it, and it's done by me and my friend Steve yeah. and some weeks. Mm. Uh, so there was about fourteen characters in it and stuff. But by the time we actually performed it, nobody knew what the heck was going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about rewriting as a film with actually enough people to do it. But no. So then the next one I wrote, I didn't do any of that. I just sort of thought, here are some songs. What's the sort of thing I'd like to do? And there's one story. There's about five characters. <laughs> so it's it's adaptable. But the, I say the weird thing is. I the I wrote the fifth one, Hey A16K, mm. um, and then 
we performed it around the country for a year, then I went to see a pantomime. Mm. And it turns out what I read was a pantomime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it was. <laughs> it's behind you. Yes. It is now. It's all behind you, don't worry. So, what's your next choice? Uh, uh, my next choice is Don't Come the Cowboy with Me, Sonny Jim by Kirsty McCall. Because <laughs> I love Kirsty McCall. I sort of think, um, I honestly think, if that the only way the Smiths would have been better if they were Kirsty McCall up front rather than Morrissey. Mm. Which is much like much like the policy, obviously it's a matter of my age. But yeah, I, it's one I've, I've tried to put these out chronologically really. I do remember working in a kettle factory uh, when I was nineteen, mm. uh, between Summer Holly and Polly, and uh, being introduced to Kirsty McCall. Mm. Um, I think I'd, I'd heard one of her songs in Sir Martin's Rapples in Leicester, but then got the tape and I I just love Kirsty McCall. I think she's got yeah. she's got such a Turn of phrase, yeah, that I love. And the things she talks about and the way she talks about them. I mean, she's a brilliant singer, yeah. And the way she arranges uh, the vocals, it's one of those things that is a complete mystery to me that I'd never be able to do. But yeah, everything about the, the phrasing, um, the vocabulary she has, the way she puts it together, the sort of heart that she's got because all of her songs are like, I think Kirsten Cole will be, I think a lot of people would think this, but you think, well, Kirsten Cole will obviously be a great friend to have because mm. she'd be fun yeah, can you and strong <laughs> and, and care. Really. I just thought, yeah. she might not have been, I don't know, but I mean, that's how it feels when you listen, that's what mm. it comes through on the songs. And I chose this particular song because it just seemed the most Kirsten McCollish. I mean, the one I yeah. think of is Days, because, you know, to be honest, but that's she didn't write that. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is on Kite, which again is just one of the best albums ever made by anybody yeah, ever right. existing. <laughs> Let's have a listen. Some boys with warm beds and cold, cold hearts can make you feel nothing at all. They'll never remember and they'll never mind if you're counting the cracks in the wall. They're quick and they're greedy, they never feel guilty, they don't know the meaning of hurt. The boots just go back on the socks that had stayed on The next time they see you, they treat you like dirt The next time they treat you like dirt Now don't come the cowboy with me, Sonny Jim I know lots of those and you're not one of them There's a light in your eyes, tells me somebody's in it You won't come the cowboy so, Mark, uh, another thing on your fantastic music is that it, it, it's got this just wonderful light touch and your turn of phrase is always magnificent. Um, how do you find uh, playing it live when you're... Uh, do you always... Often you put on your own gigs or, or, yeah. or work on the bills. Do you deliberately structure it with people whose tone will, will fit with yours or do you, do you do anything to make sure it doesn't jar when you come on you're like, hey, look, I've got these fun songs about football or being in a band or uh, you know uh, touring around the country and that kind of thing no <laughs> oh great well no, it's good to see no, yeah. I don't I don't I, I feel quite I feel quite strongly about it actually because um, throughout my career in rock mm. um, I, I've I, I started off doing uh, the, well, the gigs I remember the first gigs I used to do in London was coming down and playing the Bull and Gate as mm. was and then you'd just be stuck on a bill with whatever bands yeah, had applied to play, and they thought, and I said they bring a coach to lay down with. Yeah, and I like those gigs yeah. because it's a challenge. Because I, I enjoy because whenever I play, because mm. not many people like me, uh, but the, whenever I play, it's like there's not my audience. I don't really, I very rarely have an audience of my own to play to. Yeah, 
and I like that because it's a challenge to persuade other people's fans to like you, especially yeah. other people's fans' girlfriends. <laughs> I, I love getting them to like that because other people's fans hate that. When Why do they? Are they crossed arms normally? Oh or yeah, no, the boyfriends. No, it's because the boyfriends. The, especially if it's old girlfriends of the bands, they're the best people to make like. <laughs> but once bands you don't know, yeah, it's it's, it's I find it more fun because it's challenge because you have to work to get those people to like you and persuade them. That mm. I think that's really the, the way I write songs has been formed by. Writing a song that I know I can get across yes. to an audience of people I haven't come to see. Yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to do because then I think the temptation is after a couple of years of doing gigs, mm. then you can go and play properly thought out bills yeah. with people who are like you, yeah. which is nice, which is really good fun. But then I think you sort of stop developing in the same mm. way and you can sort of pander to that audience. Yes. I mean, I've known, I'm on like my fifth iteration of the indie scene, I think I'm on now. Yeah. And every time it happens, you see these great bands turn up. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so the original example was Airport Girl, if you remember them. Who were, I loved Airport Girl, great band, played loads of gigs. Yeah. Then they got into the scene, played gigs to people like them already, yeah. and then they did a country music. And it was, you know, in the nice spots, they nice people. It's yeah. awful. You know, you're like, what, what are you doing that for? And I think that, that's what can happen. If you just play to people who already like you, or mm. Like you, you'll do songs that they want to hear. Yes, that, because they're because it's like, well, this is what I write anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously, all my songs sound the same and always have done. From the <laughs> it must be because I was doing the right thing. <laughs> but I, th- I think if you do, so when I do my Toby Cousy mm. um so that's your that's your podcast that you record yeah, here in yeah. London, and uh, you you have the pleasure of hosting other people and exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I put I do not put any thought into it at all about having people come back. Sometimes it does happen that way, mm. but I like it better when it's people who have never met, have never played before. I had yeah. um, Simon Love. Playing with Key Top Pops is also on the celebrity his band, and yeah, it was brilliant because I, I didn't really play before, but it's all like yeah, this really works. This is yeah. people anything, and I think there's so many like, especially with the indie music, especially nowadays, everybody can be connected to the internet like that. Yeah, it forms tiny ghettos of groups of people who will play together. Absolutely, and I think sometimes if you just slam them together. Mm. It doesn't always work. Yeah. So, but then you think, well, something new comes out of this and people meet other people and you hear new stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good no. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the brilliant thing about Totally Acoustic is also that you get the audience to sing the theme tune, which I, I think is a masterstroke. Uh, so what's your next choice? My next choice oh. is uh, Waiting for the Great Leap Forward by Billy Brown. Mm. Uh, an easy leap from okay. Ghost Nicole, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I love Billy Bright. Mm. As anybody who's ever heard any of my songs can yes. clearly tell. Yes. There's a, there's a definite quickly, line through there. Really? Sure <laughs> not. That's yeah, oh, a compliment. Uh, when I first started doing gigs, I was uh, putting records up. My dad would often ring me and say, I've heard you on the radio. Yeah, yeah it's Billy Bright. <laughs> 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 uh, but, but yeah, you know, I love Billy Bright. I mean, like many people love Billy Bright. I, I always think of Billy Bright. I used to be quite cocky about it. The thing about Billy Bright is he's never gone rubbish, has he? Billy Bright's <laughs> And then he really did go and then the Wilco stuff and then mm. the and I you know I think it's, it's sad with Billy Bragg now I think a lot of you I love Billy Bragg I love Billy Bragg Billy Bragg don't you yeah. see me still brilliant but the songs you write seem to he seems to like capitulate into WOMAD yeah really he's yeah. like oh I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a song about this just, I think like well you're not writing a song I don't know but I'm, 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 I'm not so keen it's like but it's, it's early stuff and yeah. I think Wayne for the Great Before is just the most it's political it's personal mm. it's got jokes in it yeah. it's exciting uh, you can sing it very very loudly lovely. it's just basically it's basically perfect Billy Brown yeah in the cheese pavilion the only noise I hear 
It's the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer And someone asking questions and basking in the light Of the 15 fame-filled minutes of the fanzine writer In pop and politics, he asks me what the use is. I offer him embarrassment and my usual excuses while looking down the corridor out to where the van is waiting. I'm looking for the great leap forward. Okay, I have to ask you another about another thing dear to your heart. It's yeah. Peterborough United, yes. London Road. Uh, tell me about your memories and how you feel, your relationship with that club. <laughs> My relationship with people is the same. It's always strange when you see people talking about their team mm. and they always say the same thing. So it's, you know, yeah. because, oh, we don't make it easy. No, no. We don't make it easy. Well, yeah, nobody's seen like it easy. You know, no. it's like, you know, oh, we've... They put us through the ringer. Oh, it's always the way. It's never boring, is it? It's what it is for other people. But, um, but no, Posh, um, I... There's a song on the new album uh, about called uh, in the in the in the north, which is about this. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my my entry into going to see my local team was that my granddad used to take me. Uh, it turns out I realised like a, about about twenty years after he died, I thought, hang on a minute, there was a reason he was doing that. Well, because you know my parents got divorced when I was six, six, mm. seven, and that's when my grandma. And I didn't realise. I never put two and two together. That's when my grandma started taking me to the football. So going, <laughs> oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> Again, this is one of the things I think I go all the time. My missus will tell you I go out twice a year. Uh, but now I go, and it's like it's much more fun than going when I was ten mm. or whatever. Because you know it's shorter now. <laughs> when I was ten, the matches went off. I got weeks. That's so, so like, true. It's half time already. What's going on? Um, but it's lovely, and it's one of you know. I, I, my uh, my old mate from school, uh, who, I, who I usually go with, mm. he was saying, "Why do you get a season ticket this year? You know, get you out from under a feet, won't it?" And, it's, and I came home and said, "Yeah." He, he said, "I should get a season ticket." And my missus going, "That's a good idea. Get you out of the house." <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, it works. Yeah, and you sort of think, "Oh, that's." And he, you know, it's one of those things you're like, "I see again." <laughs> that's why football works. Like but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is my team, and yeah, unless you encapsulate in that song, it's about far more than what happens on the pitch oh god yes you know, Jesus yes as yes. Sheffield Wednesday put me through the ring oh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> for a long <laughs> time <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, and I, I think you know yeah. it's, when you spot property yeah that's what that's what it's like and it's, that's why you know I always think I still tell you about Arsenal fans don't get an Arsenal angle mm. but Manchester United you think like Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> you just won that, and now yeah. you get what? And you think you just did it. Just, and you force yourself, I think, to point teams like that because you think, well, you don't get the enjoyment. No. And also, to all your mates, you are that club, and they associate that with you, yes, whereas exactly. you can never yeah, yeah. claim that kind of uh, part exactly. of it. Exactly. What's your next choice? Next choice. Uh, now, this is definitely one when I was going to the next with Mither after should. Oh, that lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I chose a string bean gene by Banner Sebastian. Aha. Because uh, Bell and Sebastian were one of the two bands that really changed my entire life. Changed my life, this band. Yeah. I, I went to see them around the time that their second album, If You're Feeling Sinister, came out. Uh, one of my friends, when I was in Leicester, said, Oh, do you want to, we're going to go to Glasgow to go and see. Oh, I can't remember the name, some other band. Yeah. They were supporting, they're supporting this band called Bell and Sebastian. 
I thought, oh, Edwin, there's some sort Mark Radcliffe, all right, we'll go. Yeah. And we went, and they were astounding. They were playing at the QMU, I think 1997, I think it was, they were playing at the QMU. Yeah. And they were just the best, it was the best year I've ever been to. Like every, and this is all songs I've ever heard. And it yeah. Just, I, to be fair, I had been drinking Glasgow since like one o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> they don't serve it weak up there. But it, no, they don't. But it was one of these things where I got separated from my friends. And yeah. like, halfway through the gig, they, they were doing a cover version of Real Around the Fountain. And I just I was going to be like, I don't know you, but I've got to tell somebody. This, this is amazing and always be around me going oh we know <laughs> and then I sort of followed around the country for a couple of years and they were dreadful life after that absolutely dreadful life <laughs> but they really and that, this, I think all of us who went to see Ben and Sebastian sort of came back to Leicester and mm. either formed a band and or formed a record label and suddenly we were all putting on gigs and doing stuff and I think that happened a lot yeah. and I think Ben and Sebastian one of these bands who ne- do not get the credit they because they did not they were sort of ahead of their time in terms of the internet fans yeah. because you know they had Tiger Mill was on tape and this sort of and they were one of the first bands to get that sort of internet fandom. Yeah. Um, but I think the, because the enemy and the melody maker um, hated them because of that, because they it was like, oh, this is ha- this is happening without permission. Yeah. So we've mocked and mocked and have never got the credit they deserve. But you know, Ben and Sebastian changed a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of my friends that I still have now, people I met yeah. through that era of going to gigs and being on the email my band was formed yeah. uh, because I think most of my band members would agree with that but it was formed yeah. because of Band Smash <laughs> and yeah and this is one of the songs from the, this is one of the B-sides in their first three EPs the best bits the best bits <laughs> um, and I look I, I learnt this song I used to do it did you? yeah and the words are great yeah. yeah it's a brilliant song I love it most anonymous with you is that you'd like to write some things in capital letters yes. so I'd like to ask you for your highlights <laughs> if that sounds like it sounds like it it's a great like yeah great um, <laughs> um, well the one that immediately springs to mind um, is playing in the merchandising tent at Indie Tracks mm. Uh, Great festival. Three years ago. Yeah, lovely festival. Uh, a festival I love to play, and then it's always really difficult because we always apply, yeah. and then um, we never hear from them. So I'm still right. waiting to hear if they're playing this year. <laughs> I think possibly not at the moment. Um, but um, as I say, I said earlier that um, I've never really wanted to be part of the scene, I've never really mm. been in a scene. But then, I mean, I know everybody says that, don't they? Uh-huh. Every bloody Orlando said they were in the Romo scene. But, um, <laughs> I've never felt I've, I've never thought this is my scene here I am I, the, the people I think it was my scene are all sorts of different people dotted around and different things but when we did indie tracks we played indie tracks every year for the first four or five years 
Yeah. And then I just sort of already thought, yeah, this is it. This is where I belong. These are my people. Here I am. This is yeah. happening. And then we didn't play for ages, and it was sort of really upsetting. Really. You know, mm. sort of going, oh, but, oh, don't you what? Don't you want me any? What's yeah. the, it was. It was really. I got probably really upset about it. Sad about it, really. And then. Um, during that time, I went. I went. I went to the festival. And John Jervis, who does the merchandising tent, and is loveliest man in yeah. music officially. And I said, "Oh, do you want to come do a spot in the merch tent?" I thought, "Oh, I can. I do that." Yeah. And I remember I turned up at the merchandising tent, and I was really something like. <sighs> So that was a big side that I just did all your ways. And I just sort of think, oh, I hope this is going to be all right. I hope somebody's going to listen to me doing it. And I got there, and it was packed. The most of the was packed. And I thought, oh, God, what's happening? And I thought, there's so many people here. Everything's going to be... Something's happening. Yeah. People are, like, looking at all these... I was just outside the tent, and I thought, I can't, I can't get in. <laughs> you can't get into your own gig. And, and, and then I thought, oh, no. Because, you know, in, in that tent, it's like there's all these stalls there. So people yeah. like, oh, but everybody's bought, somebody's selling something cheap or something's happening. Yeah. So there's, I'm going to be sat in the corner, twat, <laughs> trying to shout over the noise of all these people, whatever they're doing, doing it. I thought, oh, God, I felt bad about it. So it's going to be awful. So I was trying to get in. I said, oh, excuse me, it's busy here, isn't it? And this bloke turned around to me, he's like, yeah. MJ Hibbett's playing. <laughs> it's it like choir of angels. So it's like, I went, oh my word. Ah, uh, brilliant. They do like me. <laughs> and it, oh, it was just the best thing that, that had ever happened. And so I thought, and it, oh, I, was, I was so happy and so surprised. Mm. And yeah, so that was. And then I did the gig, and unfortunately, I was drunk. I was playing uh, 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 Frankie Machine for my band. I was playing his guitar, which he'd done a weird tuning, which I didn't realise all the way through. <laughs> But it was fine. But that, 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 I think I would say that is definitely the highlight. I suppose that shows the vulnerability of fronting your own band because you often play solo as well as the band as well, don't you? So, so you take the highs and, oh, the, and the lows, lows, and, yeah. and the lows yeah. yourself. The but that was one. And then so yeah. with the band, I guess the high point would be we did um, we did a Radio One session. Mm. Which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. we, to be fair, we did a Steve Lamax Revenge against Radio One for Saxon. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it now, aren't I? <laughs> 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 Look, lovely, so you were his, his, his sort of guilty pleasure to bring on to the... His vengeance. His vengeance. His vengeance, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely, yes. So, but that was amazing. You know, we went to, went to Maida Vale. Yeah. So whenever that's on television, I always go, oh, I've been there. Ah, <laughs> great. And we did three songs live on Radio 1. It was, it was incredible. What's your next choice? Uh, well, my next choice is uh, the other band that changed my friend. This is uh, Tallulah by Hello Darling. Ah. Uh, and, and especially this song, because this is a song about... Um, wondering if you've heard all the great things wondering if yes. and it's a song that answers itself because the song is saying like have I met all the people that will mean something to me have I heard all the music that will mean something to me and the answer is brilliantly we're just going to go no because there's this song now and, it, and it's just it's, just brilliant. it's a brilliant song I mean I think that Elizabeth is amazing yeah. and, and again she's somebody who has a, the way she writes, I, I, I do notice nowadays. We listen to her songs. It would always, almost always starts with her like doing sort of a screenplay, so yeah. a dusty road. So it always starts like that. <laughs> and, but I think she's got a really interesting way of writing songs. And the things mm. again, the things she talks about, it feels really honest. Yeah. But then it sounds great, and the band are bloody brilliant. Yeah. I, I think you cannot. 
you cannot underestimate the joy of having a brilliant band yeah. in indie pop music because mm. I think the other bands around this time that could have been with Standard Fair mm. are very similar another great band but a really distinctive uh, Emma and Emma is a really distinctive singer brilliant songs uh, and, and the, when the two of them came around it was like god there's two really good bands and yeah. this is amazing this is unheard of <laughs> but uh, yeah and I, I, I loved it and Aladine just again treated me a lot because when their first album came out at the time with Sound Effects I was like yeah this still works this is something that's still valid oh, it's a great you know? band yeah amazing great. band amazing <laughs> and then every time you hear them because I mean I don't really know them very well at all but then every time you're in pret a and they come on you're like whoa <laughs> I know these. And it's, it's, avocado it's, Sarnies. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And you, you're thinking, like, I'm always thinking, like, Mark, do not tell people you know them. You're in, the people in Pretamonji don't care. <laughs> you don't know them very well. Come on. It's been like, you just sort of glow with pride that that's happened. On the drive from St. Lucia to Surface In my old university car had the windows down for our aircon The door was so hot that you burned your arm It was the tail end of a summer And the heat washed in with the breeze And you were searching for something to sing to As the radio played Another terrible song but lucky for me You found a tape with Tallulah on And it's been a long time Since I've seen all my old friends But I really love my new friends I feel I've known them a long while so Mark, tell, tell me, away from music, yep. what does your life hold and how do you juggle that with your considerable music commitments as well? I know that's obviously been a recurring theme as you've been trying to put this album out. Yes. It's a lot to juggle, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. <laughs> uh, I do, well, I work, um, I'm a fucking computer database manager, which is thrilling, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, but is it, is it, you know, for you, is yeah. it... Really? Do, do you can get enough out of it that? Well, yeah, this is true. I always say it's not very interesting, but then I'm now for the first time in de- donkey's years. I'm showing off for somebody who does a similar thing to me. We had a two-hour discussion about SQL queries, and I, I was trying to go home, but I kept thinking, "Oh, he just said something really interesting again. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to this." Oh, well, you say that, so um, yeah, it's one, it's one of those things. It's computers is. Um, Something that people people of my generation sort of fell into because it didn't exist before, so you went trained for it. Yeah. And you do, you think, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's still the worst ways to make a living. Mm. Yeah. But yes, but then as well as that, I'm doing, you know, I've been doing these rock operas with Steve mm. for ages, and um, I did an MA a few years ago yes. uh, in, in creative writing, so I've, been, you know, I've got home, and you know, I've got family. <laughs> stuff and you, you sort of think you have, you think you've got to try and find time to do chums as well and this stuff. Like yeah, yeah, it's busy, but you have lists. So I have lots of lists. So that's how you that's how you manage it, is it? It is. If you want to know what I'm doing on August thirteenth, I've got a memory stick in my bag. Get out my big list and take you eight different tasks I've got that day. So if all else fails, one day I'll write myself a personal management book. Yes. And say how to how to do all this at the same time as each other. With a link to their 
write spreadsheets. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and what's your next choice, your penultimate? My in fact? penultimate choice mm. is uh, In Another Lifetime by Gavin Osborne. Hey. Uh, which stands in for, because Gav, um, it stands, it, well, it would be this one, but I mean, it could be Chris T.T. as well, Chris, or Grace Peachy's song. Yeah, there's, as I said, there's, there's a few, or Keith, there's a few people around who, who I think of as my peers. Mm. They probably would, but you know, I, I sort of think, oh, these are my chums, yeah. these are people doing and I chose this one because me and Gav did, we've done a couple of tours mm. and it seems to get on quite well you know it's a similar sort of thing and he does oh he does make me laugh yeah we always have a lovely time um, and I, I just picked this one because it's, it's a beautiful song it's about I think it's one of these songs that you only write if you if you're a middle aged person doing music and I sort of think I don't, I don't think it feels like it should be a dirty word because you think, oh, pop music, that's the kids. And I, thought, I think it's a wonderful thing that over the past 10 or 20 years, it's like doing th- this level of this sort of music has become something that people of my age can do yeah. and use to say things with. Because, you know, you, th- you thought that we can get by, you don't mm. have to be on the radio all the time, you mm. do this. And I think this is a great song that Gav wrote about, um, uh, from his point of view as a parent, how weird it is to think that his kids will have no idea of what his life was before they existed. Yeah. And I was thinking that's because I was sort of like, well, you know, my parents, my grandparents were human beings like me. Yeah. And then I turned up, but then obviously nothing interesting, nothing interesting happened after that because it didn't need to. <laughs> Their lives had peaked. And so this is a song about trying to trying to explain or not wanting to explain those stories mm. to his kids. So I find it interesting because I haven't got kids. So it's like thinking like, all right, so I, so I still remember it the other way around. Mm. And so and yeah, and it's just it's a really beautiful song. Um, that I, about something I don't think anybody else expressed, which to me says me and Gavin are trained somewhere drunk at three in the afternoon, giggling about something, and by extension, me and Chris or me and the band, or you know, me yeah. and basically the friends I have in rock who are, you know, some of my best friends, taking about having fun. And do you have a, like, a, a grand plan of what you want to achieve with music, or is it just literally, you know, I'll take each album or each gig as it comes and enjoy it for what it is? Enjoy it for what, oh, yeah. got enjoy it for what it is and not, yeah. not for what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. exactly. This, this is it now. I mean, with all and you've thing. invented your own dance, you know. You, you're, it's all there. It's yeah. all there. What, where now? Where now, where now Alex? <laughs> no, I don't really, to be honest. So I, th- I used to. We used to have all these hopes and dreams and stuff. Um, and now, like, so I'm doing right, I'm doing screenwriting, but that's why I've diverted yeah. my ultimate disappointment <laughs> to now but, but with music you sort of think well you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen mm. I know something will happen mm. uh, we watched a brilliant thing at Paul McCartney being interviewed mm. and he was talking about the Beatles used to say something like that something like that <laughs> and yeah we were sitting watching and that's so true and he said well that's how I've always thought but when, when we're doing this album I did think like well I don't know what's going to happen but mm. something will happen there'll be some everything we've ever done there's been some stupid adventure yeah. that's come out of it so I think well something will come up yeah. I don't know what it is and I think with this now I think well I, I, I no longer think we're going to be on the bricks or in a virtual you know mm. but we'll just have fun and it's lovely because you know the validators are someone they won't yeah. listen to this they don't care uh-huh. they're some of my best friends I, lo- I love them I, yeah. I, I really genuinely love them they love me as well so you know I don't mind it you know it's if if something happened, if we all had our limbs amputated, yeah, we get people. Some people could wear. Always somebody could wear us to a curry house. And have a curry. <laughs> yeah, well, we, had, we had a band curry the other a couple months yeah. ago. He's, I, I, I was just sitting there like, well, as you always say whenever we have a band curry, I always say, oh, it's so much nicer than doing the gig, isn't it? <laughs> it's so much easier. And then Tim, uh, Tim, Tim always gets really upset. 
It's a war. We're not spitting the banner. No, we're not spitting the banner. We're just having more cooties. Stop crying, Tim. Stop crying. I'm sure you could have one afterwards. Before you were born, I played accordion on a roundabout in East Dulwich and made 47 pence. Your mum fell asleep on the 176 night bus and ended up in a depot in Penge. I pretended to be a fireman come to fix a fridge in Malta. Your mum had a birthday party that was so much hotter than the sun. And everyone began to boil because she covered the house in kitchen foil. For my birthday, she made me a treasure hunt, starting in bed and spreading all over London. Then one night I got drunk and threw prawns behind my dad's fridge Then forgot and went to Poland for a month In another lifetime, in another lifetime, in another lifetime, in another life In another lifetime, another lifetime, in another lifetime, in another lifetime So Mark, we, I very cruelly cast you into the desert after a freak hang gliding accident um, how, do you think you'd, uh, how do you think you'd cope in those circumstances? You, you haven't been maimed or anything, you know Yeah, you're just, you're just alone <laughs> no, that's how I cope. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, right. <laughs> poorly. I would, I would be poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I cope poorly. I very much, well, you know, everything I do is based in the modern world. You know, I work with computers. Yeah. I basically live on the internet. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm vegetarian, but a lazy vegetarian. So, you know, I, I want products that I can stick in the oven. <laughs> I don't cook anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to hunt and kill anything unless, you know, unless there's some tofu. Wandering the desert. Yeah, I'd like a I'd like a pint at some point. You know, it's not really going to work. I, I am not beggaring. Oh, I feel I'm feeling really guilty now. But I, I will give you the complete Red Dwarf box set and the Tiger who came to tea. And you're very generous. Uh, anything else that you would yeah, like I to? Yeah, as a look, shark, I've got some nail clippers. <laughs> really? I have really thought a lot about this. Wow. I've had a really serious think about it, and uh, I do want to think in the shower. I'm 45. I'm nearly 46 years old. Um, and it is true whatever he says happens to you when you get to my age it's like well I always thought you know um, your hairline comes from your maternal grandfather yes so I always thought I'll be alright because my you know be I remember he was the one who took me to see football so well he kept his hair yeah. my grandma kept his hair unfortunately he kept up his nose <laughs> Mostly, so you know, my life is a constant battle with like combing. St- if you can hear that on the, oh, that's me combing hair over places where it's missing, <laughs> cutting it off every bloody where else. You know, I want to get whitlows on my fingers like an old lady or something. Uh, so I thought, yeah, if I pair analysis, I can at least not di- not die of a hangnail. Yeah, I'll be able to breathe. Yeah, I'll be. Able- and you know, who knows? If that, if I find that tofu tree, I could snip some tofu off me. That's, that's <laughs> very inventive. I like it. I like it very much. And uh, your final choice? Uh, my final choice is one of my songs. Hey, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be myself. In so one of, and I've chosen um, for the fate of the earth from uh, the album Dinosaur Planet because uh, uh, so Dinosaur Planet. I'll explain it's not no bugger balls here. no no not listen Dinosaur Planet is a uh, rock opera about space dinosaurs mm. and it was a show I did in Edinburgh and then we did and it took years and years and years and years and years, and years to make because when we did it I thought I want to do this properly yeah uh, I'm only I'm probably only ever going to do a full cast size feature rock opera once in my life yeah and having done it I'm bloody never doing it again it will only be one time <laughs> so I thought well, we're going to do it properly so um, it's, it, it's it's got about 20 different people on it um, it's got dialogue in between the 
songs, it's got sound effects, it's got bloody orchestras and everything. <laughs> it took ages to do, but um, I think the song for the fate of the earth is like seven minutes long and it kind of distills everything that I love about it in it because it's got loads of my friends, loads and loads of my friends that are on it, yeah, and especially on this particular song. Um, we ba- we recorded the bass track in one take. It was bizarre that we did it, and then it's got tons of. It's got uh, Tom from the band. It's just got him playing an orchestra. Yeah, and it's got loads of sound effects. It's got <laughs> a million guitars. It's it's madness. The whole thing's mad. But I, I this is when sometimes I think I'm going to listen. I, some, I do actually just listen to this song quietly on my own with my eyes closed. Yeah, how we did that. Yeah, we actually managed this. This happened. So uh, yeah, I picked this because this sort of, this basically reminds me of everything I've done. The crazy world of rock and roll. <laughs> Plenty to dissect. Yeah. I can think of no better place to leave it than Mark. Thank you so much for, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. coming on the podcast. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, MJHibbit.com. T. Perfect. Very easy to find them. That's great. Can't wait to listen to the final tune and people to enjoy this podcast. A giant robot the size of a former Polytechnics engineering building dropkicks an armoured Tyrannosaur across the rooftops of a burning city, his machine gun spattering the night sky, bellowing as he flies. Then the steel behemoth itself comes under attack from a combined fleet of enhanced pterodactyls and human jet fighters, screeching missile after missile into its iron hide as it slowly falls to the street below, where it narrowly misses a speeding car driven by Terry with his granddad in the passenger seat, clutching a paper in one hand, a phone in the other, and between them, the answer. Iridium! Iridium! That's how you get rid of them, that rare precious metal that defines the KT boundary, which we thought was the meteorite to wipe the dinosaurs out. But no, this literature search shows it was the failed final defense of the first dinosaurs. They ignited volcanoes to try and send out a blast of death to robots. Iridium is death! Death to robots! But 